And welcome back to the Curiosity Chamber. This is Season 3, Episode 19, and I got a brand new mic, so I'm feeling big mic energy today. Damn, I feel good. Also, I just got myself Snapchat. So if you want to follow me on Snapchat, now you can at The Chamber Podcast. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our next guest. She is a nurse and martial arts expert turned fantasy author. This is Danielle Orsino. And we're live. Hello, Danielle. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Yeah, I was going to start off by saying good morrow, my lady, but I had, I had no idea if you know what I was talking about or not. Oh, yes. I'm all into that. But, you know, we're, we're old friends now. So, you know, as the Faye would say, merry meet. How's that? Merry me. Merry meet. Learning something new. Yes. Yes. So, so you're familiar with LARP? Yes. The live action role playing, right? I, I've done it before. I'll Let probably go. do it yes. again. Yeah, but, I, yes. I want to jump into that real quick because I'm I'm pretty fascinated by that stuff. Whatever you'd like to know, I've cosplayed, LARPed, done it all. So when it com- comes, do you just, do you say LARPing or is it do you LARP? I just all? LARP. I, LARPing feels okay. a little out of everything pretentious, which you know <laughs> we're already LARPing, so you know I just feel like yeah, I'm gonna LARP. You know, we we'll just okay. go with it. Okay. We'll go with LARP. And for the listeners at home, uh, LARP is a live action role playing game. And it's a form of role playing where participants physically portray their characters. Is that correct? We, we, they physically portray, but we actually, there's combat at times and there's actual contact. How's that? I think that's a good way to put it. Love it. You know, okay. there's actually going to be contact. There could be medieval elements to it, but uh, I. Are we played, talking spells? Uh, you know, like uh, they'll actually have jousting sometimes or, you know, actual fighting combat. Um, I've done Vampire the Embrace, you know, Vampire the Masquerade way back when it was kind of that live action role play of Dungeons and Dragons version. So You're then an it was OG. Vampire. Yeah, this was way back. Well, yeah, the OG kind of White Wolf games. <laughs> yeah. I did do that out in the uh, cemeteries in Carmel. Uh, you know, when they were all thought like satanic things were going on, it was just a bunch of kids running around in capes. Yeah, that, those were the nerds running around because there was nothing to do in Carmel. That's you guys what, are having a blast, awesome. though. Like, for real. Like, I've never done it, but I've always been interesting, interested in doing it. Like, it looks so fun. The community, the community looks so raw. It looks like such a good time, like a lot of good people. And you're all on the same page. So how did you get started in LARP? At the time when I first started, it was not, we had no real name. I mean, we were role playing, but I worked at Moondogs, the old comic book chain shop, chain stores, and Vampire, you know, the Embrace, the Masquerade game came in. And my girlfriend and I saw it, and that was kind of the gateway in because we weren't playing Dungeons and Dragons. To us, Dungeons and Dragons was way too complicated and rolling the dice and, you know, all the yeah, whole yeah, thing. Yeah. And we were just like, oh, we're not that nerdy yet. 
yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, you like were. <laughs> we weren't that bad yet. Of course we were, but you know, I, I was working in a comic book store for God's oh, sake. Never you know, play that. <laughs> it's like you know, we could sit there and act like we weren't that nerdy. We were. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. I had like Ronma one half on VHS, the movie. I was that nerdy. So you know, but the limit um, was Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah, like that was the bar. You know. That was it. <laughs> That was it. Meanwhile, you know, I, I was watching Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you know, Saturday morning cartoon and I knew everything about it. But OK, right. yeah, that was my limit. So uh, we started with you that. Hypocrite. Yeah. Oh, I was started. I was a closet window licker. Come on, let's get honest here. I was stuck in the basement with everybody. This is amazing. You know, but yeah, the limit was rolling a dice. Yeah, yeah. Come on. So, you know, we started with that, played that a little bit, and then it kind of grew. And then we were, like I said, then we were out in the cemetery, literally, and we'd go up to Wesleyan College in Connecticut. There was a group there playing. And I just actually talked to someone else on a podcast. And they were like, that was totally my turf. We were there, too. And oh you God. just meet the community. Yeah. It's, it's kind of fun. And from there, cosplaying grew. And you just kind of get involved. It just, it just evolves. The community, for as big as it is, is really small, too. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, you just kind of, kind of grow into it and cosplaying while people sit there and say, well, there's cosplaying and then there's LARP and there's this. Yes. There's definitely, um, small groups within and there's sex within those groups, you know, like there's smaller groups within and we do this and this is the parlor. And I get all that at the end of the day, we're all dressing up, playing, make make believe like we did when we were kids out on the playground i mean that's really we've just gotten more sophisticated with the rules and the costume (laughs) that's really all we're doing are there little clicks like within within inside of this like some people don't Mm -hmm. like there are oh yeah there are people that and then there are people that take it to such an extreme yeah and i'm just like i i just look i just want to play make believe and dress up and give myself a reason to do this You know, that's that's the same reason when I go to Comic-Con and I'm dressed up like whatever character, you know, I like I said, I always joke that Wonder Woman's my hero. Yeah. And any any way I can dress up like Wonder Woman, I totally will do it. Give me a reason. I'm there. I got bracelets on and a tiara. It's on standby (laughs) by the door. I'm ready. But at the end of the day, I'm Harley Quinn. You know, let's ride. I got the hyenas. (laughs) I got a mallet. Let's go. When I'm, I'm out the door. She's one of my favorites for sure. Harley Quinn. I don't know oh, what man. it is. Do you do you know what, what it is about Harley Quinn that so many people like her? She's I, unhinged. I, I can't pinpoint it. I don't know. The When I put on the Harley Quinn costume, and it's so funny because when I'm Wonder Woman, I get every little girl coming up to me. Yeah. And I just yeah. had this when I went to Heroes Con in Charlotte. The first day I went, which I learned, it's a three-day event. I showed up Friday, all in gold, Wonder Woman 84. Full gold armor. I realized nobody shows up the first day dressed in cosplay. Oh, learned that the hard way. <laughs> totally Whatever. learned that the hard way and do not go walking around downtown Charlotte in a Wonder Woman costume. <laughs> that was my first, uh, hi, Charlotte, because I just moved down here. It's my first little, hey, you doing? Um, they actually escorted me in because there was a line around the block to get in. No they way. came out and got me. And they were like, you don't have to wait out here. They were like, Why don't you, <laughs> That's pretty badass. Um, they were like, come inside. I, really I, mean, go, I was sweating. Gold was reflecting the buildings. Like it was yeah. just, they were like, come inside. They were like, honey bunch, just, yeah, you shouldn't be waiting out here. Um, but I was like, okay. The second day I went as Harley. 
And I went like Arkham Asylum Harley. Yeah. All yeah, leather, yeah. the whole thing. Awesome. Every guy was like, let's go take pictures. It didn't matter if they were Marvel, DC, like I had a million Nightwings taking pictures with me, Batman, whatever. Yeah. The third day I went Linda Carter style Wonder Woman. I had every little girl okay. coming up to me. That's it so was fascinating. They would be across the room. You would hear an ear piercing screech. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And a four year old would come flying up to me in her little matching Wonder Woman costume, scream again, cry, grab my leg. And the mother would be like, could you just take a picture with her, please? Do you do your own, your own wardrobe? Because the pictures you sent me are really fucking good. They're oh, really good. You. How you look. Yeah. Thank you. Um, a lot of them I do. Sometimes I have to get help because I, I'm, you know, I'm good, but I'm not that good kind of thing. Sometimes I get help, um, but I try to do my own as much as I can. With Harley, I've done a lot of it myself. I've built my own mallet. I've done my own guns, my cork gun, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I do yeah. my own makeup for all my cosplays, things like Jeez. that, my wigs. Those are all mine. How but every now and then, you know, got to go outside. Average. It's got to take hours, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah. Two hours, two to three yeah. hours sometimes to get in. It depends. Jesus. So you detailed. Know, Harley takes me to get all that white makeup on. Uh, plus, I do contacts. I mean, I do. I try to get it down. So it'll take me a little while. Tattoos, whatever. But I think at the think- end of the day, you know, little girls want Wonder Woman. And everybody else wants a piece of Harley because they all want to be that free harley is just free she doesn't care what she's gonna say yeah you just never know yeah that's what they want that's what i was gonna lead up to is do you think it's with harley because when you were harley all the dudes wanted to take pictures with you and is it more of her personality type like she just doesn't care about anything and she'll do what the hell she wants or is it what she's wearing and how she looks or perhaps it's a combination of the two like i think they did such a good job in creating that character to mesh everything and like you have a perfect fucking character, Harley Quinn. I think with Harley, it's her confidence. Yeah. That's part of it. Um, it's she's also ride or die, regardless of yeah. you, know, you can get into the toxicity of the relationship with her and Joker or whatever. Yeah. Yes. But Harley is ride or die. Whoever she's loyal to, whether it's Ivy, whether it's Joker, it's mm-hmm. the hyenas. Harley will just ride with you. And I think everybody wants a piece of that. You nailed it. That she yeah. is like that. You know, whether you love her, hate her, or you agree or disagree with her methodology, she's gonna she's gonna commit a hundred percent. And there's a piece of you that's like, I kind of like that she she at least has something to stand behind. Yeah. Yeah. No, you nailed it out of the park. That is for sure it. Yeah. I haven't met anyone that dislikes Harley Quinn. <laughs> Have you? No, I haven't. There's nobody I've met that's like, you know, that they're just like, no, nah, I don't like her. There's people that's yeah. like, she's, you know, there, there's some people that are like, she's not my favorite, but I like this. And then they can always pick one thing out about her uh, to whereas if you talk about any other character, like I've met people that are like, no, nah, I just don't like Batman or I don't like Superman. He's too much of a Boy Scout. Or I've had people that are like, Wonder <laughs> yeah, Woman exactly. is just boring. And I'm like. And then I just go off because I'm like, she's my hero. You <laughs> know. Your You're like, yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> but I, I can't find anybody who doesn't just have something about Harley that they can all relate to. The thing is, is 
with Harley, everybody can, everybody knows that relationship they shouldn't have gotten into that they did. And they can watch, you know, with Harley, you kind of know that to where there's, what other character can you say that about? There's really very few comic book characters that you watch a relationship kind of disintegrate and go, yes. yeah, I, I totally feel you with Harley. You kind of watch it and go, girl, when you gonna, and then you're like, yeah, but we've all been there. Do you think that uh, m- the mainstream movies, like the Suicide Squad, did a good job in capturing Harley Quinn? Um, I think there was more left on the table. You know, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed Margot Robbie's portrayal of Harley a lot. I thought that there was yeah. a lot there. I yeah. would love to see the ire cut of Suicide Squad because I've heard wonderful things about it. And I've heard that it was more Joker Harley focused. And we saw a little more of that relationship, which I wanted to see. Yeah, I loved yeah. Birds of Prey, the emancipation of Harley Quinn. I actually did like it. Do I think it was comic book accurate? No, but I like Margot Robbie's portrayal of Harley Quinn. And I yeah. would like to see more of that. Yeah. Um, I love the animated series. I love, uh, you know, Harley and, and Ivy and what Kelly Cuoco's done in the, in the voicing of it. But my heart will always go back to Batman, the animated series and Arlene Sorkin's uh, original take on Harley. I think that was just genius and everything about it. So what's your favorite superhero movie? Um, let, let's let's you're probably going to kill me, but like the Hollywood movies that just recently came out. I'm just curious because I, I there's so many um, different perspectives I get from it. Like the new mm-hmm. Batman movie that just came out. I personally loved it. I liked it a lot. It was really dark. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people hated that shit. I didn't mind it. I thought it was an interesting take. I'm going to. Yeah, people are not going to love this answer. I'm kind of over Batman and yeah, seeing oh yeah. him on the big screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I just feel like while it was interesting, I liked Catwoman. I, I thought Zoe Kravitz mm. did a great job of bringing us a new perspective on Catwoman. Yeah, yeah. I thought I it was very Penguin interesting. Too. Yeah, Penguin, phenomenal. Yes. I did not recognize Colin Farrell. Neither did I. Um, <laughs> thought, thought he was great. I'm just, and I think Robert Pattinson did a very good job. I'm just watching it going, really, guys, do we need another Bat reboot? I mean, like, it's a good you're point. telling me out of the whole DC universe. For sure. We it, can't find anything else here. It's such a good point. Why do you think they keep remaking a Batman movie? Because to your point exactly, you're right. How many movies is that in, like, the last, let's say, 30 years? It's it's quite I, I mean, bit. how many Batmans have we had on the cow? I, I just... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm looking at them going... Okay, like, good job. Nice. But even at this point, like, do I need another bat? Whatever. I'm I'm done. I would have preferred to see Cavill back in the cape. I mean, give me Cavill back. I think he's a great um, Superman. But even then, I think we could have gone Justice League Dark. We could. I'd like to see Swamp Thing. I'd like to see Zatanna. Oh, damn. Swamp Thing. Holy shit. Oh my you know, god! Like, I haven't heard Swamp Thing in forever. Give me somebody different. Give me somebody new. Yeah, I want. I need something. It's just something new from the DC universe. Um, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I can't believe from the stories I've heard about Batgirl and everybody's like, "Oh, it wasn't good." I'm like, you guys got to remember, it was not made to go on the big screen. It was supposed to be for HBO Max. Oh yeah, she was not made for this. So yeah. everybody was like, oh, it wasn't good, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, the other problem was it didn't match the timeline. 
I have no idea why we're still going through with the flash except that it's in Keaton's contract. Yeah. Right. So I'm kind of having, it's making me look at, you know, Zasloff and all those guys running Warner brothers right now. And I'm staring at him going, okay, let me get this straight here. Let me just make sure I understand all of these problems. You guys are bitching and moaning about this, this and that, but we're going to still take the cult leader who's Mm. grooming kids Mm-hmm. We're going to make him a superhero in the Justice League. Unbelievable. Your tentpole. I mean, this yeah. is a big deal. We're still going to do this, but you're not going to release that because you're worried about your reputation. It's, it's just not washing, guys. It's just yeah. at it's this despicable. point, either pull the flash because – Who's going to want to sit through a press junket with Ezra Miller and not be able to ask him questions? I mean, my first question is going to be like, so really, did you like rob the house in Honolulu? Did you really hit the chick with the chair? Like what flash? For sure. Yeah, everyone. That's everyone's question. The first thing that's coming out. Yeah, we're going to ask him like you really. And they're like, he's going through treatment for complex mental issues. Um, did you see the the Beast movies and stuff? Like, did we not know that this guy was like off his rocker? And look, I want him to get well. Don't get me wrong. But maybe that's not the movie we go with right now. You know what I'm I saying? Could, like, I agree. I, there's so many poli- like uh, politics within this shit, right? Yeah, it just – I'm like, okay, so we're going to throw Keaton in the buddy movie. That's what we're calling Aquaman now. Okay, so we're recasting Amber Heard or we're just cutting her out. I don't know what the heck we're doing with that because that's a whole mess. (laughs) The superheroes are having some issues right now. Yeah, so I'm looking at them going and we're still bitching about Wonder Woman 84. So why don't we move that up? We got Shazam. You know, you got Black Adam and you guys took all this time because you thought Cavill you could recast. And now he's going, don't call me. You know, he's literally like, they're calling him and he's like, new phone, who dis? (laughs) Uh, You know, I just can't help but look at this and go, do you see the problem here, boys? Do you, you know, this was an issue. What I would do is if you really want to release the Flash, I would go back. I would look at everybody you cast as the Flash in the past, which is Michael Rosenbaum voiced the Flash. Adam Brody was the Flash in George Miller's Justice League Mortal before that got canned. Um, I would look at everybody who has voiced him and who has played him or the fan casting. We know at the end, Ezra is supposed to be using the Speed Force. I would have, and Grant Gustin is out as the Flash. This is his last season. I would have all these flashes from the multiverses or from, you know, different Earths running in the Speed Force to help out Ezra's Flash. And at the end, a new Flash emerges because they all have to merge to give that flash power to reset the timeline, whatever you want to call it. And then we have a new flash. Ta-da, Earth 616 flash. And that's our new flash and recast him. We Whether need to it's get you in contact with Hollywood because that is totally sensible. Completely. This way you this way you still have the movie because I get you can't completely reshoot it. I've heard Elliot Page's name come up as the new flash. Um Lucas, the kid from who was Havoc in X-Men. You know, I've heard all these other actors. That's the new Flash. It gives Grant a great way to go out because he's no longer, you know, this is his last season. You give the fan casting. Heck, you could take Rosenbaum and still have him animated as the Flash and True. have Earth an animated version. Yes, And yes, do all yes. this. And every fan, it would give you the John, John Krasinski, you know, uh, Mr. Fantastic moment because, you know, it's just fan casting. Adam Brody, all these guys that have, you know, were 
totally supposed to play them at one moment, everybody'd be cheering because they'd be like, oh my God, I got my guy. Yay. Yeah. Okay. You got him for two seconds. It's going to cost you money, whatever. Throw him out there for the ending. And then one flash remains and they've all given their speed to him. Blah, blah, blah. Great. So what's the, what's the deal then? Why, why don't, do you think they're thinking of storylines like this or what are they so caught up on? I think they're caught up on the budget. I think they think they're not thinking of the fans. They're thinking of the big picture of how many tickets can I sell? Because I'm not worried about the hardcore fans. They're just thinking of a broad brush. Like a money grab. Yeah. Yeah. People will forget about it. They won't, you know, Marvel tends to think more. I don't want to say myopically, but a little more funneled into our fans. It's the same reason why they gave us, John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic. That was a fan casting and they did it. And we were all thrilled, but we know he's not going to be Mr. Fantastic in the Fantastic Four. We're going to get who the studio wants, but still we were thrilled. I mean, when he came on, I was like, damn, you know, I'm like, wow, we got him. That's kind of amazing. I think fan casting needs to be more um, done more often than than what we currently have Mm -hmm. you're making movies for the i mean they're not but they should it's the fans that make this shit come on let's be real i mean they're diehard fans so why wouldn't we do fan casting more often we get it now and then but the thing is i think sometimes when we've done the fan casting it always hasn't turned out well i mean everybody wanted ryan reynolds's green lantern we got him but the movie sucked and it wasn't his fault was it horrible Oh, it wasn't good. <laughs> oh, oh, honey bunch. It was <laughs> but it serious? was a bad script. It wasn't him. He was good. Okay. Okay. He was a good how. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The way it could have been better was I would have killed him off in the Snyder cut. I would have brought him back and I would have given Hal that final I would have killed him. Like I would have had him come in right at the very end because it didn't make sense that there was no lantern. It just didn't in Justice League. You're sitting there going, okay. We've got this big cosmic, you know, problem. We've assembled all these heroes and you're telling me a lantern doesn't know what's going on on Earth. It made no sense. I would have brought Hal in at the very end. And then when they open the boom tube and you see uh, Darkseid, I would have had Darkseid throw something out and then spear Hal and kill him at the last minute. And then we would have seen the ring take off and that would have led us to the Lantern Corpse for HBO Max. And this way you would have had Ryan Reynolds for what, shooting for a day? And we all would have been like, oh my God, we totally got him. He could have like ended his Green Lantern run officially with an awesome death. And you would have been like, cool, he's definitely not Green Lantern. He's never coming back. He would have put end to the role and we would have been like, that would have been awesome. Do these thoughts just come to you or how how are you able to to put this together so, so well, like what you're saying resonates with me. I just don't like, do you spend a lot of time thinking about this? When I saw the move that when I saw the Snyder cut, that was the first thing that popped the minute we saw granny goodness and dark side standing there and they opened it up and all the league was sitting there. I'm like, now this is where I would have killed him off. And I was like, why are they not like, did anybody think of this now? Granted, I mean, there's, a lot involved. It's not just as easy as me being like, oh, why didn't we kill him? You know, there's obviously contracts and whatnot. He's Deadpool. Sure, but of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my first thought was it would have made more sense to have Wentz 
when we they woke Kal-El up, that would have been like, hmm, maybe a lantern would have realized like, hey, there's an alien ship. What's going on here? Do you think that this to me like is just overall, where I put it together? An overall consensus? Like, are you on Reddit forums at all? And there's no, a lot I don't of the even, same opinions? No, because I'm on enough blasphemy lists with my own book that I feel like maybe I should not be opening myself up to other opinions. But, you know, <laughs> hey, that's just me. Can we jump into um, that? I'm sure enough people list? will find me. Are we allowed to jump into that? Your blasphemy lists? Oh, sure. Go right in. <laughs> just uh can you let the listeners know what exactly what happened um i have i am the author of the series birth of a fae which is uh birth of the fae which is a fantasy novel fantasy series and my my series is based on a retelling of the origin of the fae fairies and so what I did, thinking I was so clever, um, <laughs> you know, that comes back and bites you in the ass, trust me. Clever girl. Um, <laughs> what I did was they are angels that were locked out of the Shining Kingdom. And there's two sets of angels. Uh, one is the Virtue Angels. They are Nature Angels. And one is the uh, Power Brigade Angels. These are the foot soldiers of the Archangels. And they find themselves stranded on Earth and they cannot go home. Then they have to find a way to survive. That is the premise of the first book, Locked Out of Heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from there, the story takes on uh, a very new meaning to biblical things that we as humans know that have happened, right. such as something like the parting of the Red Sea in my book. Uh, the parting of the Red Sea is not what the humans think it is. It is actually a fae battle that the Israelites have stumbled upon. The Israelites interpret it as what they have written in the Bible. They, the creator, their creator, their God has parted the Red Sea for them to cross. Mm-hmm. In actuality, to the Fae, it is a Fae battle, and the queen of the light Fae, Queen Aurora, has parted it using uh, her elemental power of air to drive the dark Fae away, and things have happened. And when she sees the Israelites, she decides. She's going to help them and allow them to cross instead of drowning them because she's already parted it. Some people took it as blasphemous that I would write such a thing, even though this is a fantasy novel. Yes. And uh, did not take kindly to my little reinterpretation of events and therefore have put me on two blasphemy lists and then petitioned. uh, One group was petitioning the Vatican to have the book removed. Oh, my God. And, um, you know, put it on a quote unquote book burning list. Holy shit. And um, I have received threats of violence against me since then. Naturally. Of course, because that's that's the next step. And that's That's what any good Christian would do. (laughs) That's right. You know, come after me, of course. Um, I've received death threats. It's so crazy. And other things. I've had reviewers say that, you know, religion should rise up against me and they are uh, they should be appalled by everything this woman does. And, you know, pitchforks in hand and coming after me. And I laugh because I'm like, that's book one. Wait till you guys get to book four and five. Holy cow. I really go in. You just Um, wait. (laughs) Just wait. I'm really going in there. Then um, I'm an equal opportunity offender. But, you know, that's right. I I really don't let it go. Uh, so it's it's been interesting. So I try to keep a lower profile because they kind of go in cycles. Like it'll be really quiet for a couple months where I feel like, okay, it's done. Like, all right, we're good. I have it. And then I get 
I'll get something on Instagram from some group that's like, we feel you have a bad relationship with God. Please give us your home address so we can send you some books on how to make it better. <laughs> okay. And that I get like 10 of those in a row. And then I yeah. usually reply with something like, I'm sorry, Lucifer has not told me which realm of hell we will be living in once we're married. But as soon as he does, I'll totally let you know. And um, we're registered at Bed Bath Beyond. Please send, ta- please you know, send towels. And I'm we doing go through a, a book lot signing down here. next week. <laughs> yeah, and I just kind of move on. Um, but recently, the the threats have uh, escalated to like threats of like death threats, and that's where I was like, yeah. Okay, threats of like internal damnation for my soul are funny, but once we hit like death threat level, I'm like, guys, down a notch, please. Like, so where's where's the fine line though? Like, it's a fantasy book. Why aren't you able to to write about this or express your your feelings or what you thought of in a book? It, clearly, it's fantasy. So why are people getting so bent out of shape over this shit? Um, I find that I can write about. I can. Honestly, I can kill whatever character I want in the book, and that's fine. I can be violent up to a point because I'm a woman, and that's where it gets funny. Um, they think I should write romance. Like every Fae book, for some reason, should have romance. Yeah. And because I'm a woman, I can be violent, but only to a point. And then I get the, oh, are you angry? I get that oh, one. Can, can I find right hysterical. Off. And I'm like, yeah, no, I write really good fight scenes, and that's how it is. Uh, religion, you can't. They come out of the woodwork on religion. You can't and even, even touch the reviewers it. do. I don't know. I wish I could tell you. And the funny thing is, the reviewers sometimes don't understand. Like, if you don't like my book, that's totally cool. My book is not for everybody, and I'm the first one to tell it. Any author who sits there and goes, "No, really, my book is for anybody," and every no, it's not. Okay? Like. <laughs> <laughs> not every book is for everybody. And yeah. I'm the first one to tell you, look, if you're looking for romance, you're not going to find it in my first two books. My first two books have no romance. My, my fair building kingdoms, they cannot, they don't have time to swipe right or left. They, they just don't. Okay. <laughs> They're not thinking about getting laid, not in their headspace at all. You're pissing there people is, off, Danielle. Uh, yeah. Sorry. It's, you know, I'm honest you're with you. people off. <laughs> and that's cool. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's like books are supposed to make you think. For so sure. that's what I do. Yes. But once you get into it, yeah, I got a little touch of romance, you know, but once again, it's not what you would think of. So it gets a little dicey. The minute you bring up religion. Oh, yeah. Like I said, the reviewers don't even realize it because if you don't like it, totally cool. That's fine. No problem. What your friend might like it. But when they write stuff like, all religion, I could see where religions would be appalled by this book. I don't think they realize it's a call to arms to that nut that's sitting there. That's like, yeah, yeah, we should be appalled. Let's take some action. I'm like, you have to be really careful with your words. If you don't like my book, that's fine. Give it a one star review. Give it a two star review. That's cool. You know, no problem. But when you write stuff thinking like religion should be appalled, you are literally waving a flag in su- in front of people's faces, and that's where it gets dangerous. How long have you been writing for? I'm I'm trying to put together if um, if it's always been like this with the the religion factor. If you were trying to tie something in in a fantasy book, nonetheless. No, I didn't. No, I've only been writing. 
Uh, this book, my first book came out 2020. I'm on my fourth okay. book now. Yeah. And my fifth book is due to come out in September. Uh, September 23rd, I believe, book five drops. Uh, drops. I never thought in a million years anybody was going to care. I really didn't. I was like, what are, you know, I'm like, it's a fantasy book. Who's who's going to care? People are very sensitive about, it almost seems like everything. Like everything seems under the microscope nowadays. So I, I wonder if it would have been like that, say, 20 years ago, if you would have wrote the same I, exact thing, that they the would have come with torches. The difference now, and this is just my opinion, I... yeah. I think the difference now is our our opinions as a society are more accessible. Twenty years ago, no, the only really. people who wrote reviews were New York Times or yeah, USA yeah. Today. Right. There was, there was no such things as Goodreads. There wasn't social media, so everybody feels the need to share an opinion. And I'm open to opinions. Hey, freedom of speech, go for it. You know, as as much as you say something good, you have the right to say something bad. I can't yes. fight you on it. I just think we have to be a little more choosy with our words because in with writing in particular, you can leave me a review. Okay. And that's fine. Just like, you know, even for your podcast, somebody can leave you a review and that's fine. You can make it better on the next podcast. But when I write a book, that written word is done. I can't go back. True, and fix true. It. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It, it's, it's done. So yeah. I can try to make something better in the next book or in the third book or whatever, but I don't go to that reviewer's job the next time they're up for a promotion and sit there and go, well, do you really want to know how empathetic this person is? Do you want to know how they write their review? You know, like yeah, nobody else does that. You know, this is my livelihood and I put myself out there. I totally get it. But I think just right now we're all in this mood of like judging each other and, and seeing stuff and it's like, Sometimes when you write a bad review, that can actually deter somebody who might have really liked the book from picking it up. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I actually brought that up to my friend. Like, um, I try not to look at reviews because it it messes with my mind. Like, how do I – like, this person might have been having a bad day and just, like, it wasn't even a bad product but just felt like they needed to write a shit review because of how they were feeling and, you know, that would – to tear me away from picking that item up or staying at a hotel or eating at a restaurant. So I try uh, yeah. not to look at those reviews until after I've done it. I think sometimes I had somebody write a review and they said flat out, they were like, my head was not in it for this book right now. They were like, so I'm going to go back. So I'm going to leave three stars, but the book could be better. I just, I'm not in the right space right now. And I was like, cool. So my feeling is Kind of going by what my dad says, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all mm-hmm. and move on. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't actually, I've had other authors who were like, can you write, read my book and review it? And I'm like, no. And they're like, why not support me? I'm like, I'll support you by buying the book 110% because that's more supportive. I'm like, I will totally do that. But no, I don't, because if I don't like it, I don't want to have to lie to you. And I, I don't, you know, I don't want to play that game. So I just, I stay away. There's, uh, you know, there are certain, like, I love, you know, Shannon Mayer, obviously Anne Rice, you know, things like that, you know, people like that I love, but I don't really, Laurel K. Hamilton, I'll leave reviews. But if like, it's a personal friend, I'm like, nope, I ain't playing that game. Yeah. Because I, I just dicey. don't want to be in that position. Yeah. You can find yourself in a very sticky situation. I agree mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. 
it makes it very uncomfortable at times. Uh, so I, I respect that. I agree with that. Yeah. So I, I want to ask, like, how do you know where to to put a cap on when you're writing fantasy books? Like, where does the line end for characters like i couldn't do it personally you know like i would have hundreds of random species in a fantasy novel like iron titans i would have martians ant people with horse tails goblins ghouls <laughs> that's just the creatures on land like if we start talking about the creatures of the ocean i got 700 more so how do you know where where to put a cap on it um they kind of write themselves or at least for me they do yeah. i am not a let me be clear. I'm not a classically trained author. I did not go to school for this. This was, I didn't go take creative writing classes. That's nonsense. You don't need that. uh, Yeah. I fell into everything. Uh, When it came to creating the Fae, I went through what creatures I just don't hear enough about and what creatures, even if I do hear, you know, I have mermaids, but my mermaids are a little different, you know, Um, they're merfolk. Uh, my mermaids don't have, you know, seashell bras. In fact, they don't even have chests. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to make them look a little different. Um, I I tried to take out what the stereotype of things are. Yeah. And work backwards. Uh, my, my fae all are connected to an element of some kind. So if, they're connected to, let's say, Earth. And one of them, my metal gnome, Hoggle, he's connected to the minerals of the Earth. Sure. And he, you know, his backstory is that he at some point wanted to just hide from everybody. So he literally um, bonded with the rocks. Yeah, and so yeah. when he finally decided he wanted his body back, he came out and he was shorter and he was gnome-like, but his speech pattern is messed up. that's detailed i love that (laughs) you know so i kind of built from there and i was like okay so i kind of go with backstories and yeah senses the metal in the earth the minerals so he can he can attract them and he like now he's an artist so he he makes all the jewelry in the kingdom he makes you know architecture in the kingdom that's what he does versus the other set of knowns are the spellions and they have acid in their skin so they uh, take all the crystals and they wind up shaping them, but they all live underground. They're bald. You know, I just kind of go with creatures I haven't seen or if they're stereotypical creatures, how can I change them? They all have like, like the Spellions all have handlebar mustaches. Oh, they hell have yeah. tattoos on their heads. <laughs> Something different. Yeah. Where, so where does your imagination come from? How do you keep that active? I feel like imagination dies as we get older, you know, like due to jobs or bills, responsibilities, mm-hmm. friends that keep you down. Unfortunately, it changes your mindset. Kids are so imaginative, right? So yes. where do you get your inspiration from? How do you stay imaginative like that? Uh, part of it is, I think, to be honest, comic books. I was just always a comic book geek. For sure. And that I think has been a big help. You know, I, I loved reading Chris Claremont, Artwork, Jim Stranko, Mike Diodato Jr., those guys, I just amazing work. So I've always been into comic books. That's been a thing. So that was helpful. I was always a reader as a kid. And I liked playing things in my head and picturing it. Yeah. So imagination wasn't hard for me. You know, keeping it, that wasn't really that difficult. I found out a lot of people don't have imaginary friends in their head. 
Um, <laughs> I did. So, hmm, you know, the nerd and the weirdo. Hey, benefits you making books out of that shit. Yeah, that wasn't hard. When I started writing, I pictured everything in my head because yeah. I had to. That was the only way to get it out on paper. I was like, what does this look like? If I could picture it and I would play it like a movie, my thought was, if I play it like a movie and I'm bored, then the reader's going to be bored. Right. So I, I did it more like a movie or a TV series in my own head to where I put music to it, everything. And I'm like, okay, if it's keeping my interest, then maybe it'll keep the reader's interest. And some people have said, oh, she's too detailed. I don't need that many de- that much details. When I walk in a room, I want to picture it myself. And I'm like, okay, that's cool for you. Yeah, we don't need you. <laughs> I'm like, but I need to know what does that room look like because that puts me in the room. Yes. And now I can get absorbed into the world. That's how I want to be. I mean, and I get not every reader's like that. It, you know, it depends on your reading style. Um, but I feel like if the authors put that much work into it, then they truly love the world they've created. And I just find more of a connection with them because I just feel like the world's lived in and I want to know you've lived there and you didn't just sketch it out in black and white and then be like, oh, this book's done. Okay, move on. Do you think that the world that we live in um, is kind of boring since you're so invested and so deep within these fantasy stories like i'm sure when you're writing you would love to live in a place like that maybe is that true or oh yeah i i want to my world is called the veil i mean that's why i cosplay as my characters and i dress up because yeah i want to live there yeah yeah, you know i'd rather be there than reality heck i'm straddling that line as it is i'm straddling Uh, that line (laughs) i'm really you know there are days where i've checked out Uh, no i i'd rather be in the court of light or i'd rather be riding a dragon in bloodhaven any day of the you know exactly okay so that that to my point is the the life that we live so how do you manage this real life um i have two puppies Mm-hmm. that have acted as the source of inspiration for my dragons and for um, the white <laughs> nice. deer. Yes, yes. And that's been huge because yes. uh, Carlos and Penelope, my puppies, they, I did not know that shout I was going to get so Shout out to Carlos and Penelope. Yeah, shout out to Los. Um, <laughs> Carlos, because I was looking at him the day that I was trying to decide like, okay, I'm good. I knew I was going to have dragons because every fantasy novel needs dragons. Yes. I was staring at him and I'm like, I'm going to make you a dragon because who doesn't want their dog to live forever? You know, mm-hmm. we all do. They we want, do. we want our pets to be with us forever. Yes. And I was staring at him going, all right, I'm going to put you in the first book. And he's, and he's, <laughs> he's a nine pound Yorkie. So making him into a dragon. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. He's on the pot of gold. He's protecting that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking at him. I'm going, okay, are you a fire breather? Are you an acid breather? Are you an ice breather? And he's looking up at me, tongue hanging out of his mouth. Like, yeah, yeah. Like what? And then it was bath time. <laughs> and he's looking at me and he takes off. The minute you take his collar off, the dog is gone. Like you have yeah. to block his house. And for 10 minutes, I could not find this dog. Oh no. And I'm like, did he get out? What the hell? Now my Chewini is 20 pounds. She was supposed a to be 10. Never heard she of it. Yeah, yeah, Chihuahua, Dachshund, Chihuahua. Amazing. She's looking at me. She's all white. She's staring up at me. And 
we notice Carlos's toy bin is turned over. Oh, no way. And the Cheweenie's looking at me. Penelope's staring at me like, you fucking idiot. And she's looking at the toy bin, looking up at me. Now I've passed this toy bin 10 times at least. And she's Mom. looking at it, looking back up at me. Mom. Carlos has ET'd this thing. He is inside the toy bin, curled yeah. up, and buried himself in it. And he's staring. You want a dragon? I'll give you a dragon. Straight out. And I get down, and she's looking at me like, have you figured this shit out yet? And he is. he looks like a perfect stuffed animal and he blends perfectly in it and i look at him i go you right. little fucking brat yeah, get yeah, out yeah. of there the dog doesn't even blink he's staring straight ahead i'm like i can see you <laughs> staring ahead and finally i'm like los move los she walks over and swats at him oh damn because she's like i'm tired of this shit like because my bath <laughs> time's after yours and i don't have a problem with this so like we actually have to dig him out but this dog did not move like he blended, and finally I looked at him. I went, "You are a chameleon dragon. That's what you are in this book." And he oh became God. Los the Chameleon Dragon. Really? And that's how he got it because oh, I love it. The dog blended, and I just and I had to laugh at him because he did it so well. Yeah. And I we carried him out, and I'm like, "You brat!" And he's looking at me like he almost got away with it. <laughs> and meanwhile, she's looking up at me like, "You idiots!" Just like she's like, "I knew <laughs> the he was there time. the whole time." Los and we the took chameleon him out, dragon and that's when he became los the chameleon and that's really how i kind of live in this world is because of those two. i mean she penelope has literally sat on her hind legs when i've done fight scenes and i've been like okay stay still and i've had a sword and i'm like you are gonna be the body and she's been like okay she's like if you got a treat we got this and i'm like don't move you know <laughs> And, and Los has been running around her. And I'm like, yeah, you run around. I'm like, you're flying. That's how we're going to, we're going to figure this out. So, you know, they, they add that, that whimsy to the whole situation. I love you your brain. It. Your brain works good. I like the way you connect stuff like that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Do you believe that dragons actually existed? I think I'd like to be open-minded about it. You know, I think because we're some still of these discovering things are so, so much detailed, right? Like some of the things that we see, like, how did you think of a dragon? Like the first person that came up with the dragon, how in God's name did you think of that? Like there has to be some kind of representation or something that you saw in my well, when mind. When you think about it, we just discovered that in fact, there were salt, um, there were freshwater plesiosaur-like creatures. They just discovered it. I mean, yeah. literally, what, three weeks ago? They yes. made the discovery, and now they're looking, going, well, that whole Loch Ness Monster thing, as much as we were saying it could never happen. Yes. Yeah, we just found those skeletons. So it does add some credibility. I, I think mm -hmm. you never know, and I'm totally open to such. I mean, the Loch Ness Monster, in my eyes, is my spirit animal, so I'm going to swear he exists. Oh, I'm going to be obsessed with Loch Ness Nessie. Oh, oh Nessie, yeah. I'm totally oh, – I actually yeah. put Nessie in my book. That's how obsessed I am. Did you? Um, and I made him fake. Oh, yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I'm so there. But yeah. I'm always open to these things. I think I think we have to – we just tend to put labels as humans on everything. Just like you know, I've been asked a million times, oh, do you think fairies exist? And I'm like, I think we just label energy. Yeah. Energy is whatever we make it. We're boring. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. who's to say any anything? Why why do we sit here and say this does not exist? This does exist. Who knows? I'm open to all of it. I'm open minded too, very, especially about aliens. I hope aliens exist. I I hope to God they exist. I mean, who's to say that they're not humans time traveling to check on us? I uh, yeah, I know, I know. You can't sit there and tell me that it's not a possibility. I mean, this universe is so vast. Why does it have to, you know, I, I, I've said this a lot. Why does it have to be by our rules and laws of physics? We claim Bingo. we made up physics or it's a, why does it have to bend to our law? It's, I, yeah. I just think, why do we have to be that arrogant? And people That's are like, it because is. it's physics. Arrogance. We're not the smart, we, we would not be the smartest creatures in the universe. I can tell you that right now. We'd either I'm be. I'm thinking they're coming by and checking and going, there's that Petri dish. And then they take off. Sure. Yeah, we're just monkeys with guns and bombs and blown. Like, we're still so undeveloped, it seems like, in to my point of view, and probably theirs as well. Like, I, I look at it and I kind of laugh because I'm like, I, I have said this before. I'm like, you guys are still getting mad about a fantasy book because it discusses religion. Really? <laughs> you know? For sure. Like, yes. I, I, you know, I just kind of, I have to laugh, so... I'm very open-minded about a lot of things. Yeah. I just think it's um, it's something for us to sit back and just be open-minded. And yes, I have my moments too where I'm like, that totally isn't it. But, uh, you know, the worst you could be, I don't say follow anything blindly. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Be open-minded, obviously have some caution. But, you know, hey, it's it's fun to explore and yeah. it's fun to think about some things. But, yeah. you know, you never know. My mind has traveled down this path before. So let's say 3,000 years from, let's use today, 3,000 years from today. Let's say there's a fallout and everything is just demolished, right? All civilization is gone. And the only thing left that's buried in a desert is a Harry Potter book, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like civilization, civilization starts up again like very basic caveman or whatever and they come across this book the harry potter book and they take that book as literal right and now all of their beliefs and everything that they manifest it comes from that book because it was left behind it was the only book they found right so my my brain has traveled down there before no (laughs) that's a good point right just interesting Yeah, there's a lot. I always think about, you know, we're looking at things in in such a small, myopic way. True. You you just, yes. You never know. And I think that's why books are so important. Yeah. Because it does afford us that that moment Mm -hmm. of just release and just sit back. That's why I don't think anybody, unless you're spreading hate, yeah, I don't think any author's work is irrelevant because it, it gives us a snapshot in time and society. You know, when, when uh, you say hate, what would you refer I to? I think hate as in the sense of anything that's going against a specific gender, race, color, or creed that is putting out hate toward that group or um, lies about that group. You know, that's not necessary, but, and I'm not, let me be clear. I am not 
a proponent of any of that. It still gives us as a society, it still gives you a snapshot of society. I'm not saying to go do it. Once again, let me be clear on that. Because I want, I don't want the hate. I don't want to get canceled. Say it again. <laughs> you know, um, but I don't think there's anybody's work who is irrelevant if it's just fiction. If you're just giving fiction, it still gives you a glimpse of society at that time. Because if you take Fahrenheit 451, if you take that book into now, think about it. At the time, everybody was like, oh, Fahrenheit 451. Now look at it and think about cancel culture. There's some relevancy there. Yes. Okay, so spreading hate i understand I, I completely understand what you're saying but what if there's a character within the book spreading hate so there there's like these fine that's lines, different i'm right? saying yeah. non-fiction yeah. Oh, like oh, non-fiction okay. spreading okay. hate okay. bad totally yeah. bad like okay. nope don't need okay. it okay um yeah. there in fiction we can use those as we can use those characters as tools to prove points and as teachable moments i mean fiction i mean non-fiction spreading hate that we don't need at all bad very bad um yes. but you know you can use those characters in fiction to prove hey this is why it's wrong and use them as arcs and you know redemption thing you know to show people hey this is why we don't do this um so you know but just i'm saying fiction in general can show points of where we are as a society and that's why as much as you might not like a book or think oh this isn't well written or it's not this it's not that no author's work is irrelevant you know people can sit there and say stuff about 50 shades of gray oh it's a horribly written book and it's this and it's that but it marks a point in publishing when self-publishing really began to explode and for people who don't know it was also fanfic based on twilight that became Fifty Shades of Grey. So while you look at the book and go, I don't like it. It's this, it's that. Yeah, no. yeah. But from a publishing standpoint, it marks something. So it's still not irrelevant, even if it's not your cup of tea. It marked something and it marked a change. Let me ask you about this because um, this is pretty controversial. Um, movies, so let's – in Hollywood, these gory-ass movies, okay? So like the shooting, killing – and the actor outside of that, the one that's in the movie is doing the killing, but outside of that, they have a huge problem with killing. Where, where are your stance on that? Like, is it okay for them to speak out about? Like, is that hypocritical for them to speak out about that since they're in movies killing people? And then, uh, Are we talking like, like a Keanu Reeves, John Wick, and then he's like, hey, I'm a pacifist kind of thing? Exactly, but it's not... It's not him. He's the he's actually no, one yeah. of the people that aren't speaking out about it. But yes, right. exactly. Yeah, not that. him. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of comparison. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm gonna be honest about the whole Hollywood thing in general. Please. Oh yeah. I don't really need to hear your friggin' opinions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I you know I I just don't care enough. Yes. Um, you're collecting millions of dollars for sure to play make believe. Yes. Not that you're not doing a good job. I mean, there's some amazing actors. Amazing. And good for you for like, you know, winning the lotto on that shit. Like, awesome. Um, do I really need to hear your friggin' opinion on life? No. No. No, no. I really, I really don't. Keep it to yourself. Uh, I don't need to hear your political views. I don't care. Yeah, it's not going to change that are the where last, I go. 
they're they're the most not like the average person and they're trying to talk to us like there's some it's kind left, of relevant, right it's right? both of it like i don't yeah. give a shit i'm sorry yeah. like especially during and look i love me some gal i love gal gadot like you're a fucking phenomenal wonder woman do i really want to hear about how hard it is for you and COVID in your mansion and we're all going to sit here That's and sing imagine saying. yes Pipe no down. honey bunch no that was no, a no, funny no, no. time, like when COVID was happening, and then you'd see these videos of those uh, mega oh, wealthy I'm people isolating. in their mansion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You're isolating in your where? House. What are you talking about? I'm in a studio. <laughs> You're in a 10,000 square foot mansion. Yeah. You got a pool indoor and outdoor. We're surviving. Your nannies are still showing up. <laughs> you don't have to worry about the Paycheck Protection Act. You don't have yeah. to worry... And you know your movies. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. They're delayed. Oh, I'm so sorry. The rest <laughs> of us are trying to figure out life, and for you sure. can still go for a walk. No, okay? Our lives are not similar. That I just. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, they're, I getting get what paychecks, you're they're getting paychecks to, to, like, you know, announce for, like, stay in your house. Make sure COVID is, like, you're protected with COVID. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I get the people that are like, look, it's not good for guns. Okay, I get it. You know, it's just I I I think you could be doing better things with your time and with your money. I just don't think doing a public service it's almost okay, this is the best way I could put it. The NFL. And God knows I bleed blue. The reason my Faye bleed blue in my book is because I'm a Giants fan. That is the only reason the Faye bleed Look blue. At you. I would like to give you some great scientific reason. There is none. I'm just a Giants fan. Giants. That's, That's it. Reasoning. Okay. That's but pretty every year, the NFL gets on some soapbox and some yeah. charity. Yeah. Where they're all like, this year it's domestic violence. Oh my God. And then the guys all come on and they're all crying and they're like, don't hit a woman. Oh my God. It's so Trophy bad. Shit. Then the following year, it's like, oh, we're doing it for the vets. Then the next year, driving drunk. Guys, can you just pick one charity? Right. Just one. And maybe I'll believe you. Yeah. Just, it doesn't resonate right. It just, uh, you can't do that. You can't sit here and say, I'm for the women. Meanwhile, you guys never checked the Washington Commandos. Commanders. Wow. They're the Commanders, not the Commandos. Sorry about that. I would have called them the Washington Admirals. These sounds better. But, you know, hey, you still haven't investigated that. You haven't unionized the cheerleaders. Let's not forget that what the Cowboys cheerleaders make 25 bucks a game at one point. That's all these girls were making. You I haven't unionized. Yep. So it's hard for me to take you seriously when you're saying how much you care about women. But you took, you know, we went from breast cancer awareness month in October to just cancer awareness. You couldn't even just leave the women with that and then do another cancer awareness month, which I would have been good. You know, hey, it's cancer. Make money. Give it to the right people. I'm cool. But you're not doing anything. It just comes off as disingenuous. It's like these politicians that that like go on Twitter and try to find what is the most you know, popular subject that people are talking about. And then all of a sudden just start like talking about it. Like it's the most important thing to them. Like they're doing it's a bunch. Not, there's no connection. Like there's not Linda Carter. And that's my queen. She probably does it the best. She comes in when something major is happening. She drops her truth bomb and she exits. Peace. Drop the mic. 
And she's just like, and this is all I'm going to say. And she always does it with a cute Wonder Woman meme. And it's always kind of funny. <laughs> but she does it with a little bit of humor. And she she proves a point. But she doesn't sit there berate you. And it's always it always comes off as genuine. But it's something she's been fighting for a long time. I think what it is is sometimes these guys, they just come in and it's like, this is the new thing. And then it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But then they don't follow through. Yeah. Uh, with these actors that are like, I'm so about gun violence. I'm okay. So here in this movie, I have 20 kills in the first 30 minutes. Yep. Okay. Well then like, don't do those movies. There's other movies for you to do. Yes. You can say no. It's okay to say no. If it doesn't fit you or your beliefs, but yeah, like I, you, you don't hear the rock being like, Hey, I'm against violence. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. He knows, he knows his lane. He stays in it. He's like, I'm an action hero. This is what I do awesome that's cool but i think when these ones are like i don't do violence aren't you in that movie literally called violence <laughs> exactly aren't you, is that is that you you know i don't i have to be careful because my books are violent i i'm the first one to say look i'm gutting people i'm doing this yeah. i'm a, I, I, you will never see me listed as a young adult i tell people right off the bat i'm you know don't give me to kids don't give my book to kids Right, right, right. But what I have learned is young adult novels means um, 18 to 25. And I was like, oh, okay, could you give me to an 18-year-old? Yes. Do not give me to younger than that. Okay, fair. But I say it from the top and I tell them, I'm like, I'm a martial artist. Of course I'm violent. Like, that's what I do. I'm not going to sit here and claim, does that mean I promote violence against children? Do I promote violence against women no i promote fantasy violence why because well last time i checked an celestial blade does not exist so you know it's (laughs) fantasy yeah piss some people off again yeah well i i'm very good at that as you can see yeah 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 so how long have you been doing jujitsu for uh i actually i do uh muay thai is what i study right now okay yep i originally started in uh Taekwondo, ITF style. I moved from Taekwondo to Kung Fu. And then Wushu is what I competed at the WKA World Championships in 2008 when I was on the U.S. team. You're on the U.S. team. I was on the U.S. team for the WKA. Yes, I represented Team USA in the World Championships uh, where I won the silver medal in uh, soft style forms. Wow. Nice. Good for you. So you are well disciplined, I'd imagine. Yeah, kind of have to be. Competed yeah. in uh, 500 tournaments up and down the East Coast in my tournament career. Oof. So how long have you been in, do you call it a practice or what is it considered? I've been in martial arts about 20 years. Martial artist for 20 years? Yes. Okay. Is So is this another kind of outlet to keep you sane? Uh, it kept me, I didn't, I didn't go searching for it. It found me. Oh, awesome. How'd that happen? Uh, I wanted to go to New Orleans, to be honest. I was 18, yeah. and my dad was pretty much like, yeah, you want to go to New Orleans if you think I'm sending my 18-year-old with her girlfriend from high school to New Orleans by themselves. New Orleans is a weird place. Been there. Yeah, he was like, you two must be <laughs> out of your fucking mind. <laughs> For sure. He's like, yeah. He's, right. He's like, so here's the deal. He's like, you get a yellow belt in Taekwondo, mm. I will let you go, thinking there is no way she's ever going to do it. And I walked right into the gym, 
walked right into the class, stood in front of all the black belts, chewing gum, hand on my hip, and was like, yeah, I'm here to get a belt in karate. <laughs> no way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I gave my instructor most of his gray hair that he had. He did not have gray hair when I got there. He had it when I left. Yep. That's so and funny. Got my, uh, got my belt, was able to go to New Orleans, and then my instructor threw me in my first tournament without telling me. He literally dropped me off the tournament one morning and was like, by the way, you're competing. Get out of my car. At that moment, were you pissed off at him? No, I was more like, I'm sorry, what? It was, she was more like, I'm, I'm, did, did I, I'm what? I'm, what? And he was like, get out. And he, it was a tuck and roll. The man kicked me right out of the car. He must have He's seen like, you're signed up, go to the desk. That was it. Get out of my car. He was car. like, you're fighting and doing forms. Get the fuck out of my car. <laughs> tuck and roll, tuck and roll, lady. Yep. And he's like, I'm going to park the car. Get out. How'd you do? That, that was it. I won. Jesus. I won forms and fighting. And he yeah. was like, do you want more of those trophies? Because I was double fisting the trophy, walking out. I was so happy. And he was like, <laughs> great. He's like, you will now compete totally by yourself. I will come to one tournament a year and judge to see where you're at. And you're I was like, lady. I'll do what? And he's like, that's how it's going to go, babe. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and he would just give me flyers. And he'd be like, you're going to go to this tournament this weekend. And his attitude was, this will keep you out of trouble. True. That's just how he saw it. He was like, you need this. He's like, you know, this will be good for you. Were you a troublemaker? I think, I think he thought, I wasn't a troublemaker. I think he just thought, you know, I was coming upon drinking age and things like he just thought uh, this will keep okay. me out of the clubs. Uh, he wanted to see that little spark of competitiveness. He wanted you to stop LARPing. That's what he wanted you to do. Yeah, that's what he really wanted. He was just like, this will keep her out of the cemetery. Because he knew I was in the cemetery with a cape. So he was like, this will keep her out of that shit. Listen, listen, listen Daniel. Listen. Um, you know, he knew I didn't have a boyfriend. And he had asked my dad a couple times. He was like, really? She ain't seeing anybody? And my dad was like, no, we're we're getting a little worried now. Um, I love when that he, happens, right? He thought I would meet a boy. <laughs> on yeah. like the tournament circuit sure. and i was just like at every time i came back he was like did you meet anybody i'm like no and he was like okay i'm here to murder and, people <laughs> all right yeah he was just and then he kept asking like are you meeting any friends like what's going on and i'm like no i just go in i i get my stuff and i leave and he was like okay and by like the third year in he was like, okay, seriously, Danielle, have we met any, like, what's going on there? He's like, what, what exactly are you doing at these tournaments? I'm Genuinely like, concerned. Well, he finally said he, cause I said, well, you told me to go in with no makeup, my chest taped down. And he's like, yes, yeah. but you know, you could put makeup on when you leave. I'm like, I do. <laughs> and he's like, okay, we still haven't met anybody, huh, kid? And I'm like, no. So he, like, he came to a tournament and when I left, he, he, he people came up to me and was like, your sister did so well. And he would watch me go, thank you. And then he's like, why do they keep saying your sister? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's my nickname. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, because I come in with no makeup and in my warm-up uniform and I no leave way. dressed up. People <laughs> think I have a sister. That's pretty good. Pete. I like and he that. was like, they haven't figured out it's you. I'm like, no. And he finally was like, okay, we need to now have it. He's like... You know, when I said the girl, you know, when you're not practicing, the girl who's going to beat you is. And I was like, yeah, he goes, you were not the person to say that to. Because I was literally training seven days a week. I did not take a day off. Nothing. Yeah. Wow. And he was like, okay, I said that to other people that I needed to motivate. He's like, you were not the person to say this to. 
And I'm like, okay. And he's like, okay, we got to. And he was just like, we got to have a talk, honey. Um, <laughs> he's like, you're allowed to talk to people. I'm like, but I have to punch him in the face. Why That's do I want to talk to them? Right. And he's like, you should be friendly. I'm like, why do I want to be friendly? They're my I'm like, sworn I have enemy. to go hit them. <laughs> and then he saw that I was fighting men. And he's yeah. like, why are you fighting the men? I'm like, because there's no girls in my division. He's like, okay. <laughs> and he was like, I should never have sent you to these things alone, honey. <laughs> Do you become okay. obsessive like with with stuff you do? I'm I'm sorry, I didn't do hear you, beco- you. Do you become obsessive with things oh, that you do? I became competitive with this. Yeah, I became competitive because I was always the smallest. Okay, okay. So it became very much of, oh, you want to underestimate me? Good, underestimate me. I like that. Yeah, because I yeah. can work with that. But once you say, oh, well, the girl who's going to beat you, you know, when you're not practicing, that stuck, that resonated with me. And yep. that became a problem. That's yeah, a problem. It's and a I problem. was like, oh, and then you add trophies. I can win trophies. Wait a minute. I can win six foot tall trophies. There's a 10 foot tall trophy. <laughs> oh, no one's ever won two of those. Gotta oh. collect them all. Yeah. It became, I was dangerous. And it was, yeah, it was over with. And then he would not, like, people were just starting to really do open forms and adding flips and stuff. And he was like, you're not allowed to do that. He's like, you do traditional. When you win with traditional, then we can start talking about adding the flips and doing this. So I had to win traditional. It was really hard when somebody's doing a backflip and you're like, okay, I'm doing, you know, Dosan or something. And I'm like... You know, uh, you know, I have to chung gun. I got to figure out how to make this look good. And he was like, the kick's only supposed to be waist height. I'm like, well, he's not here. This kick's going vertical because I oh, have geez. to do something cool. <laughs> and yeah, we you got to top that. Yeah, I got to top it. Yep. So I come back and I think the first time I made grand champion, they had an underbelt grand champion division. I tied with some guy who was doing a bow form three times in a row. Wow. And we kept tying and I'm like... And I looked and I was, I was a blue belt, but I knew a black belt form and I was not supposed to know it because I, I was one of those kids. Yeah. And I'm like, and I finally looked around and I was like, I got to beat this motherfucker. So uh-huh. I'm like, I looked around <laughs> and I went, so the judge comes over. He goes, all right, guys, look, we can't sit through this again. They said, um, one more time, you both have to do a different form. You oh, can't do damn. the same form anymore. Holy shit. So I looked around. I went, I'm going to do Chung Ma. I was like, that's it. I'm just going to do it. I knew it was a black belt form. And I'm like, I'm going to get in so much trouble if he ever finds out. But I was like, I'm going to beat this guy. I'm not, I'm not losing. And I won and I had to go and somebody ratted me out. I remember walking in that class and and I was carrying this trophy. And and the minute I saw my instructor, I was like, ah, shit. And I walked in, I went, should I just put my sparring equipment on or should we even have a discussion? He went, no, just put your equipment on. <laughs> and I went, okay, that's what I thought. And I just geared up. He goes, let me just ask you if it was worth it. And I looked up and I said, I tied three times. I was not losing. I was, I had to do a form. And he went, remember you said that. I went, okay. He beat the crap out of me. I looked at that trophy, looked over at him. I went, still worth it. Still worth it. And he just, he just shook his head at me. I'm like, I don't care. And then he goes, take the trophy home. I went, damn it. That's what I was going to do. Walk that trophy home. 
came home. Minute. My dad was like, why didn't you leave it at the school? I'm like, yeah, I got in trouble. <laughs> You're care. a badass. You know that? No, I'm just a pain in the ass. The yeah. difference between being a badass and being a pain in the Maybe ass. Maybe there's a fine line, but Danielle, let's leave it off there. That is fantastic. Damn. Thank you so much for being on here. That was an hour, 10 minutes. Man, you got a lot of good stories. I feel like I know you better. Hopefully the fans out there listening know you better. Um, anything you want to say? Any last words? If you have any social media, you have any uh, – Let's do the shameless or- self-promotion if that's okay. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the usual. You know, I still got to make the publisher happy. Um, <laughs> you know, you can find me at birthofthefay.com uh, on Instagram at birthofthefay underscore novel at fourhorsemanpublications.com. And then a really cool place to check out Locked Out of Heaven is the Bookie Call app, which is kind of like Tinder for books where you can find your next great book date and That's you can a good choose idea. to swipe right or left on it. So Whoa. hopefully you will choose to swipe right on locked out of heaven. Yeah. Pretty damn cool. Awesome. Thank you so well, much. Thank you so much, Daniel. Appreciate it. And everyone out there at home listening, go LARP. Bye. Bye. <laughs>